0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Wrestling DeLorean Podcast. Here is your host, Mike Dendero. Are you ready? Welcome ladies and gentlemen to the Wrestling DeLorean Podcast, episode 319. Not only is this episode 319, but it is the very first episode of 2024. Happy New Year's, y'all. We have a super stack show for you today. And before we get into it, I gotta give a big shout out to all my Wrestling DeLorean passengers from all over the world. Thank you so much for riding with the Wrestling DeLorean Podcast. If you're going already, follow on Instagram at Pod, follow on TikTok at Pod, and follow on X at W underscore Pod. Let's get into the show right now, y'all. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for allowing me into your Monday routine like you do every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday here on the Wrestling DeLorean Podcast. I'm Mike De Niro, and I want to give a big Happy New Year to all my Wrestling DeLorean passengers. I hope everyone had a beautiful, beautiful holiday season, but it is now time to start the new year right, and it is day one. It is January 1st, and that means that we're going to start your year off with episode 319 of the Wrestling DeLorean podcast. This past weekend, we had a huge AEW pay-per-view. The last of the year, it was World's End pay-per-view, and a lot of news and notes came out of that show. A lot of controversy came out of that show. A lot of big revelations and reveals came out of that show. And there were wrestlers on that show that are no longer with AEW, and we're going to talk all about that. Uh, we also got to talk about some of the controversy going on around AEW and Chris Jericho, and we're going to be talking about one of those wrestlers who was on AEW who may be showing up tonight on Monday Night Raw. Time will tell, but we'll talk about all that and more. Ladies and gentlemen, but first I want to say, I have some New Year's resolutions. And my first one is to be here every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday here on the podcast. My second one is to give you guys the best content possible. And that is made possible by Simplecast. Thank you so much to Simplecast and SiriusXM Radio for giving me the opportunity to ply my craft here for all my wrestling DeLorean passengers. You guys made 2023 one of the best years of my life, making it the most successful year of my podcast. And I want you to know, because of all the love and support, I will make sure that I am here more consistently, and I am here to give you guys all of me in 2024. Ladies and gentlemen, AEW's World's End took place this past Saturday, but before the pay-per-view went on air, there was some controversy coming out of Twitter slash X where... Some possible heavy heavy allegations have come to light involving former Aew wrestler Kylie Ray and current aew wrestler current wrestling legend Chris Jericho. Now it was it wasn't said by Kylie Ray, but Kylie Ray liked the message that basically said that C- Chris Jericho, had something to do with Kylie Ray leaving AEW. And if that's the case, it led a lot of people wondering what happened. The rumors going around is that when Kylie Ray was with the company, Chris Jericho invited her into his dressing room. She thought that there was going to be other wrestlers there, which wasn't the case, and Chris Jericho made a move on her. With that being said, she didn't feel safe, and she asked for her release. Now, if this is the case, then this is coming out five years later. AEW, they signed Kylie Ray in 2019. She wrestled for their very first show in May for uh, Double or Nothing, and then she was gone from the company right after. And it was kind of confusing. I know that she has left other companies. Um, She... It looked like she had a lot of promise, and it was very confusing why she would join the company and then leave the company and ask for her release right away. So that led to a lot of people speculating on why Kylie Ray would be, you know, on the outs with AEW. And, I mean, this story, unfortunately, would make sense that she would feel unsafe, especially speaking out against a wrestler of the caliber of Chris Jericho. But once again, this is not coming from Kylie Ray. This is coming from someone else, and Kylie Ray liked the message on X. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens with this. I know, you know, innocent until proven guilty. AEW and Tony Khan expressed on the AEW World's End media scrum after the show that AEW is the safest workplace. And if anybody felt any sort of. You know, way where they're not safe, whether that be sexually, whether that that be physically, whether that be emotionally, then they could come to Tony Khan at any time. Tony Khan would take it to the disciplinary committee and they would basically do their investigation. Tony Khan acted like this was the very first that he's heard of the Chris Jericho allegations, even though it was now reported that there was possible NDAs signed by Kylie Ray and all parties about the situation that happened. Whether it is true or not, I think it's going to be interesting to see how AEW handles this. And it is also just crazy how this company has more and more negative publicity every single freaking month. But if this was true, if this did happen, then I think that Chris Jericho should be released immediately, he should not be able to wrestle on AEW if AEW finds out that this is true, if it is revealed to the world that this actually did happen, but in the case that this is not true, then it's just unfortunate that more negative press is happening around AEW while AEW is trying to gain the good graces of the fans, which right now I feel like they definitely need. Ladies and gentlemen, I think that the AEW Worlds End Pay-Per-View was a pretty good pay-per-view. I know a lot of people were saying it was a weird show. I know a lot of people saying that the undercard sucked. I personally thought that it was a very good show. I thought that it was nice to see multiple women's matches on the show including the Willow Nightingale versus Chris Statlander match that was on the zero hour pre-show. I thought that it was great to see some young up-and-coming talent get their shot to really shine, like Daniel Garcia in that All-Stars eight-man tag match to start off the show. I think that it was very cool to see a triple main event where all three main events delivered, and I thought that it was very good to see the reveal of the devil after months of asking who is the devil in AEW, who attacked Jay White, who's been attacking and stalking MJF, why has this been happening? There's been a lot of speculation. Oh, it's CM Punk. Oh, it's Jungle Boy. Oh, it's this person. Oh, it's that person. It has finally been revealed, and we'll be talking all about all the happenings at AEW's World's End when we come back from this commercial break. Welcome back to the show, ladies and gentlemen. AEW's World End had a very good, very, very good pre-show which started out with the matchup where two hometown girls, two women from Long Island, Chris Statlander and Willow Nightingale, went one-on-one. And in my opinion, it was a huge, huge victory for Willow Nightingale, defeating Chris Statlander, a former AEW TBS champion, AEW Year Wonder. Does that make sense? Year Wonder. Anyway, she's been there since day one. And Willow Nightingale defeats... Chris Statlander. I think that this was a very good matchup. Both women showed down from their hometowns. Um, I like that Stokely Hathaway was trying to drive the nail in the, what's it called, between the two friends of Willow Nightingale and Chris Statlander. Nonetheless, big win for Chris Stat- well for Willow Nightingale. And I hope to see more out of Willow Nightingale. I hope that Willow gets a AEW Women's title shot soon. I could see her being the one to take the TBS title off of Julia Hart which we'll be talking about Julia Hart a little later. Also, we had a 20-man over-the-top row battle royal to crown a number one contendership for the TNT championship that they could cash in at any time. This is going to play a huge role later on in the night. But there was a lot of good showings on this matchup. But in the end, it is Killswitch, the former Luchasaurus. I don't know why I lost track of who, who Kill Switch is and what his new name is. But Kill Switch, former Luchasaurus, wins the battle royal. He is now your number one contender for the TNT champion and could cash in that title match anytime he wants. Then the main events of the zero hour we had for the FTW champion. It is Willie Yuta, the current Ring of Honor Pure Champion. He went one on one against Hook. This was a very good matchup, a very hardcore matchup. Nice to see Willie Yuta show another side of him, you know, with the hardcore style, because we all know that he is one of the best technical wrestlers in AEW. But really good matchup. In the end, Hook picks up the victory in his home state of New York. But I think that him winning the FTW Championship or retaining the FTW Champion is not enough. I would like to see Hook now go to Ring of Honor and face Willie Yuta for the pure champion. Because it would only make sense. He defeated the pure champion. He should get a pure championship title shot. And it would like, I think Hook would thrive in the pure title rules. So I think it would be really good to see Hook in Ring of Honor. Ladies and gentlemen, let's talk about the main card. It was a very, very strong card with a lot of big matches. On this show, we had an opening matchup of 8 All-Stars. Eight guys who wrestled in the Continental Classic all teaming up with each other to go against each other on this show. It was the team of Brian Danielson, Claudio Castagnoli, Mark Briscoe, and Daniel Garcia going up against the team of Roosh, Jay White, Brody King, and Jay Lethal. This was a very, very good matchup. Lots of action. I like the story that they told that... Brian Danielson was showing some tough love to Daniel Garcia. There is a lot of history between Brian Danielson and Daniel Garcia. Daniel Garcia being a guy who Brian Danielson wanted to mentor and show him the way he really looked at him as one of the top professional wrestlers, top technical wrestlers. But Daniel Garcia decided to stay with the Jericho Appreciation Society and be a sports entertainer. So we already see that built in story that. Brian Danielson built with Daniel Garcia earlier in the year and a little bit of last year. So I like that they kept that going. And I like that Brian Danielson and Daniel Garcia did not see eye to eye. And Brian Danielson did not give a chance to Daniel Garcia. But in the end, with all these all stars and all these former world champions in the matchup, it is Daniel Garcia who gets the pinfall victory for his team and finally earns the respect of Brian Danielson. Really, really nice touch to the show. I thought that that was a very, very good story told in the main in the opening matchup. A lot of stars in this opening matchup. A lot of action. I really enjoyed this matchup. Next up on the show, we had the matchup between Miro versus Andrade El Idolo, who is accompanied by C. J. Perry, the wife of Miro. Andrade El Idolo had a very, very good matchup here. But in the end, Miro gets the victory when Miro's wife turns on Andrade El Idolo and reunites with her husband. CJ Perry helped Miro win. The bigger story coming out of this matchup, though, is what Tony Khan said in the media scrum. Andrade El Idolo finished up with AEW on this show. Andrade is a guy that debuted in 2020, and instantly I felt AEW did not know what to do with someone of his star caliber. AEW did not know what to do with someone of his talent level. And it was not until pretty much the last couple months where Collision started, where we saw Andrade basically to the highest potential that he could be. There was a lot of controversy behind Andrade, having fights with people backstage, in the end, Andrade was never happy in AEW. So, when it was time for his contract to come up, it is no surprise that Andrade is no longer with AEW. The rumor mill is already heavy with PW Insider announcing that Andrade is going to be on tonight's Raw. If he is, then Andrade is going to be where he wants to be. I, I know that he wants to be in the WWE. Andrade is one of those guys that never really fit in with AEW. Even though he could have been a star in AEW, he never really fit in. And I feel like it was a missed opportunity. But nonetheless, Andrade no longer with AEW. Quite possibly could be with WWE within the next two hours. But Nonetheless, Miro picks up the victory here. I just hope that this is not another instance where we start stop the push for Miro. I hope that we get more opportunities for Miro, and I hope that Miro is not only showcased on TV more, but has storylines to build his character. It is a shame that a guy like Miro has yet to have a AEW World Heavyweight title shot. And now with the new world champion, you give me Miro versus Samoa Joe? And I feel like that matches money. And I'm sorry if I spoiled the main event if you guys didn't see it yet. But, I mean, you wouldn't be listening to my review show if you were still going to go see it, right? So, anyway, Miro vs. Samoa Joe would be a banger of a matchup. Next match on the show, we have the AEW Women's Championship matchup. Timeless Tony Storm went one-on-one against the very first AEW Women's Champion, Riho. This was a very fun matchup. In the end, Timeless Tony Storm is still your AEW Women's Champion. I don't think that they should take that women's title off of Timeless Tony Storm for quite a while. I don't even know who would be a good person to take that title from her. But right now, she has the story and the character that is very intriguing on AEW for the women. So I say keep the title on Tony Storm until you have that next you know, star ready to take that spot from her. On this show, we also had the eight-man tag team matchup between the teams of Konosuke Takeshita, Powerhouse Hobbs, and the AEW Tag Team Champions, Ricky Starks and Big Bill, going up against Sammy Guevara, Sting, Darby Allin, and the aforementioned Chris Jericho, who got a plethora of boos, which a lot of wrestlers in the matchups didn't seem to want to work with. Uh, At one point during the matchup, Ricky Starks is tagged in to go against Chris Jericho. Ricky starts flips him off and tags in Big Bill. Um, there was a part of Darby Allin's entrance. Where he screamed out. each shit motherfucker. And it looked like it was at a member of the crowd. Now it's coming out that Darby Allin screamed at Chris Jericho. Who's on his team no less. So I mean I don't know. I, I, I don't know. It's very interesting. If the wrestlers believe the allegations. Then what does that say? I, I don't know. I just, you know, it's it's weird. If AEW knew that this was the case and knew that he he was under investigation, whether he did it or not, it might have not been the best move to put Chris Jericho on this show fresh off of the allegations of sexual assault. Whether he did it or not, I, I think that it probably would have been better for AEW to say, we're currently investigating the situation. Until then, Chris Jericho... Unfortunately would not be showcased on the show. But to have Chris Jericho on the show. Have the crowd boo him. he, he If you looked at Chris Jericho in the face. You could tell that he was. A little. You know. I guess you could tell that he was going through it that day. He, he seemed upset. Over everything that was going on. I mean I don't know. I, I, I don't know who I believe. I, I believe the truth. So I hope that. Proof comes out either way. I hope proof comes out. That Chris Jericho either did it or he didn't do it. So we can have the truth of what happened that day. Because if this indeed was a lie, then Chris Jericho should not have to deal with this. And if this was indeed the truth, then Kylie Ray should be able to live in peace knowing that Chris Jericho is going to get what he deserves in the end. Nonetheless, the bigger story out of this matchup was this was Sting, his last appearance in New York. This was Sting's last appearance in Nassau Coliseum. And I feel like that's the story that we should be talking about and not the Chris Jericho story. The story that we should be talking about is Sting on his retirement run, still looking strong, still looking like a million bucks, officially ending his New York wrestling career. February's around the corner revolution the greensburg coliseum has already been sold out it's going to be interesting to see who sting will be facing in his retirement match nonetheless sting ends his new york career here at nassau coliseum for aew world's end next up we had the aew tbs women's championship matchup like i said the women got a strong showcase on this show with three matches i hope that AEW sees that this actually worked and does more of this but it was Abaddon going up against Julia Hart. The crowd was chanting, this was spooky because you had two darker characters in this matchup. I thought that this was a good matchup and Julia Hart has grown so much. I remember when Julia Hart was the cheerleader for the Varsity Blondes and was 19 years old and showed that she was very green and had a lot of work to do. And now she's a champion in AEW and is one of the more compelling women in the company. And her in-ring talent is very, very good. Julia Hart could hang with the best of them. In the end, Julia Hart retains her TBS champion, which I felt was the right decision. Like I said, I think we'll probably be getting Julia Hart versus Willow Nightingale down the line, and I think that Willow Nightingale should be the one to take the title from Julia Hart. But this was a very good matchup and a very good showcase for Julia Hart. Next up, we got Swerve Strickland versus Dustin Rhodes. This matchup originally was supposed to be Swerve Strickland versus Keith Lee, to blow off the feud that basically started two years ago, and I, I would have loved to seen that matchup since it has never happened, and I was very much looking forward to Keith Lee versus Swerve Strickland, but it was announced that Keith Lee had some nagging injuries since what he says was from Grand Slam 2022 that he's been wrestling through. But it just has gotten worse and worse and worse. And he's going to need time off. So with that being said. The doctors were not able to clear Keith Lee for competition on this night. A wrestler who stepped up was Keith Lee's tag team partner in AEW. Dustin Rhodes. And it was an interesting matchup. It was more of a showcase for Swerve Strickland. Strickland... Early on, injuring the leg of Dustin Rhodes, and then working that leg throughout the night. Dustin Rhodes getting some, some comebacks, including hitting a running Canadian Destroyer onto Swerve Strickland. But nonetheless, it is not enough because Swerve Strickland wins the matchup. I love Dustin Rhodes, and I, I think that Dustin Rhodes is a first ballot Hall of Famer in any company. Dustin Rhodes is the natural. He's a legend, but I feel like he was the wrong guy to put on the show. I feel like Swerve Strickland has been so hot with his storyline. Swerve Strickland has been killing it with everyone he's in the ring with. Brian Danielson. John Moxley. Hangman Adam Page. And then, you know, at this point of his career, even though he's a legend, and even though it's a big victory to have, it just felt like Dustin Rhodes was not a compelling challenger for Swerve Strickland because it was pretty predictable that Swerve was going to win this matchup. I don't know who I would have put in the matchup instead of Dustin Rhodes, but with over almost 200 fucking wrestlers on that roster, I'm sure they could have had a more compelling matchup for Swerve Strickland. Being that he was in one of the big marquee matches for the show to basically give him a squash match instead, I don't think that was the best Way to go. But nonetheless, Swerve Strickland remains high. He remains on the winning end. And it's going to be interesting to see what's next for Swerve. When we come back from this commercial break, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to be talking all about the triple main event. We have a No DQ matchup between the TNT champion Christian Cage and his former best friend Adam Copeland. We have the finals of the Continental Classic when John Moxley goes against Eddie Kingston to crown the very first triple crown of America. And we have the World Heavyweight Champion where MJF defends his AEW Championship versus the Samoan Submission Machine, Samoa Joe. So stay tuned. You're not going to want to miss this. Welcome back to the show, ladies and gentlemen. Let's get into the triple main events for the show, a high point for the show. This show ended off very well because you had three extremely strong matches to end this show. And it all started with the No DQ match for the TNT Championship. We had the challenger, Adam Copeland, the Rated R Superstar, going against his former best friend, the TNT Champion, Christian Cage. This matchup is very fun. They wrestled all over the arena. Adam Copeland showing a side that we haven't seen in many years. This guy looked like the same edge that we saw at WrestleMania 22 going against Mick Foley. This was a very fun matchup. A matchup that showed why he still could go. Showed why Christian Cage could still go. This matchup had a lot of hardcore spots, including TLC itself. We had tables, ladders, and chairs in this matchup, which was the match that was originated by Edge and Christian from all those years ago when they won the TLC matchup at WrestleMania. In the end, after Edge puts... Nick Wayne threw a flaming table. He goes inside. He hits the spear through a table. One, two, three. Adam Copeland is your new AEW TNT champion when he beats Christian Cage. But remember what I said earlier in the show. Remember I said that Killswitch, a.k.a. Luchasaurus, won that 20-man battle royal to crown himself the new number one contender, and he could cash in that number one contendership whenever he sees fit. Well, Killswitch saw fit on this night. He comes out after the matchup when Adam Copeland is celebrating and he attacks Adam Copeland, a vicious attack. He chokeslams Adam Copeland through a chair high up on his injured neck. But before Killswitch could cash in that title match, Christian Cage comes back into the ring and demands that Killswitch hands over that TNT contract to him. And reluctantly, Killswitch does just that. Killswitch hands over that title matchup to Christian Cage. And Christian Cage pins Adam Copeland 1-2-3 to win back his TNT championship. So Adam Copeland wins the title from Christian Cage just to be attacked and lose the title right back to Christian Cage. Unfortunately, this makes Adam Copeland the shortest reigning AEW TNT Championship holder of all time. Christian Cage walks in to World's End as your TNT Champion and by any means necessary, Christian Cage walks out of World's End as TNT Champion. Speaking of Champions it was then time to crown not only the Ring of Honor champion, not only the New Japan Strong Openweight champion, but the new Continental Crown champion as we have the Continental Classic Finals between Jon Moxley and the hometown boy, Eddie Kingston. This matchup was a hard-hitting matchup. This matchup was very much a matchup that resembled Masawa versus Kobashi, Akiyama versus Kawada, the type of matches that Eddie Kingston grew up on was this type of matchup, and it was by far the biggest win in Eddie Kingston's career, because Eddie Kingston was able to finally defeat his friend John Moxley. Eddie Kingston was finally to able to prove himself as a top champion, not only. top champion but a triple crown champion in a matchup that resembled the style of wrestling that he grew up with the king's road style from all japan pro wrestling the continental classic is over and your winner is eddie kingston he is now your ring of honor champion your new japan strong openweight champion and the new aew continental crown champion this was a phenomenal moment for eddie kingston especially in his hometown I thought that they really showed why Eddie Kingston could be a top guy for AEW. All that leads us to the main event. A matchup that has been strongly, strongly, strongly built to. A matchup that has a lot of intrigue with all the attacks from the devil. And then this past Wednesday on AEW, we learned that the devil was working in cahoots with Samoa Joe. It is a matchup where the AEW World Championship is on the line when MJF, in his hometown of Long Island, New York, walks in to a hero's welcome against the Samoan Submission Machine, Samoa Joe. Before the matchup, though, as a special surprise, MJF brings out his best friend, Adam Cole. The crowd goes wild. Adam Cole is there to accompany MJF in the biggest title match in MJF's career. After a good 25 minutes of back and forth action. There's a referee bump and MJF goes to Adam Cole and asks for the dynamite diamond ring so he could use it to his advantage and take out Samoa Joe once and for all. Adam Cole looks for the diamond ring, but seems like he can't find it right away. He's looking, but he can't find it and it's wasting time. Finally, when MJF gets the dynamite diamond ring from Adam Cole, He turns right around to Samoa Joe's Coquina Clutch. And MJF has no choice but to pass out. Crowning a new World Heavyweight Champion for AEW. The longest reigning champion, MJF has finally lost his title. And it was to the Samoan Submission Machine, Samoa Joe, in front of his hometown crowd. The world has truly ended for MJF here. When he lost his Triple B. Samoa Joe celebrates with the championship and then walks off. Adam Cole consoles MJF in the ring saying that MJF has nothing to be ashamed of. He fought his best. He, He gave it his all. But then the lights go out and out comes the devil's henchmen, the devil's masked men. And the devil's masked men attack MJF. They then hold up Adam Cole and they look like they're going to nail Adam Cole with a steel chair. MJF is screaming, hit me, hit me instead. Don't hit him, you son of a bitch. The lights go back out. They go back on and all of a sudden, Adam Cole is sitting in that chair and the masked men are all on his side. MJF is very confused. Adam Cole then goes into his jacket and pulls out the devil mask and it is revealed that the devil was indeed Adam Cole all this time. They then attack MJF. And the four henchmen that pulled off their masks are revealed to be Roderick Strong, Mike Bennett, Matt Taven, and Wardlow. What a way to end the show. What a way to end the show. So many questions, so many to so many things that make me want to tune into Dynamite so I can hear the explanation for Adam Cole. But Adam Cole revealing himself as the devil was, in my opinion, The only possible solution here. Before CM Punk resigned to the WWE, I thought that the most in-depth story that you could tell here is if CM Punk was the devil. But then when CM Punk signed to the WWE, I saw, all right, that was not a case and that was not going to happen. And then there was a lot of rumors. Oh, it's going to be Jungle Boy. Oh, it could be Britt Baker. Oh, it could be this person. It could be that person. But the only one that made sense in the story was Adam Cole. So I am very happy that we're finally going with Adam Cole as a heel with this faction to go against MJF. Did this flop? I I see a lot of people online saying that this was a flop. Did this flop? In my opinion, no. In my opinion, I think that this has to breathe a little bit. In my opinion, I think that we have to see the explanation and where this goes before I say that it was just a flop. I always thought that Adam Cole played a better heel than a babyface anyway, so I'm happy that he's a heel again, and I'm happy that he has a team to back him. I, I don't think that this does much for Wardlow, in my opinion. I feel like Wardlow is a guy who, once again, is going to get lost in the shuffle. But... I'm intrigued to see a more serious side of Roderick Strong in the kingdom aligned with Adam Cole. I'm curious to see what MJF does in return to this. I'm curious to see where this leaves other people like The Acclaimed and Adam Page who were also attacked by Adam Cole and his group. I'm curious to see where this leaves guys like Kyle O'Reilly who was rumored to be coming back soon. And we know that Kyle O'Reilly is closely associated with Adam Cole. So a lot more questions and answers. I think that's going to be very interesting to see where this goes. Overall, I thought that this show was a very strong show with a very solid triple main event. All three matches in the main event not only delivered, but left you wanting more. So with that, I'm going to give AEW World's End a passing grade. And it got me intrigued to tune in on Wednesday. Nonetheless, ladies and gentlemen, I appreciate you all. Happy New Year's once again, and I hope that you guys will join me here on Wednesday with a new episode of the Wrestling DeLorean Podcast. Make sure to follow on Instagram at WrestlingDeLoreanPod. Follow on TikTok at WrestlingDeLoreanPod. Follow on X at WrestlingDeLoreanPod. I will catch you all on Wednesday. I love you all. Stay safe, stay strong, stay positive. One love, peace out.